I've been playing outdoors since I was a kid, standing by the front door at around two years old, hollering, side, side, trying to get my mom to let me go play outside. Now, after 30 plus years working in the outdoor business, I'm dropping insider conversations every week with brand leaders, guides, marketers, CEOs, and others that make the outdoor business a trillion dollar juggernaut that drives product innovation, revenue, and public policy for everything outdoors. I'm Rick Says. Welcome to the Outdoor Biz Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman, MTM's managing editor. Joe Chung has the week off from hosting, although he is still listening to this and editing it and producing it, and we appreciate him for that. <laughs> Hi, Joe. Uh, so, Mark, you just uh, had a nice, quick weekend trip to Washington, D.C., right? Yeah, if uh, quick, you mean like 28 hours, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way you roll, right? Yeah, I flew out uh, Saturday morning. I think my flight left like 7 a.m., got into D.C. and then by like 8.30, something like that. And then um, flew out Saturday at 1 p.m., so quick and easy. I mean, it's like an hour in the air, hour and 10 minutes in the air, so it's an, it's a really easy flight, very similar to flying to New York City from here. You know, both those you can do as like a one-night type thing if, if something's going on and, and everything like that. So it didn't tire me out too much. Well, I'm here in uh, Southern California, beginning... My uh, road trip up the west coast of uh, the United States. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the hotels, some other stuff later. But yeah, let's talk about uh, your trip to DC a little bit. Like, where did you stay when you were there? Yeah, so I was uh, I was heading out for uh, our our friends over at Travel on Points. Uh, Rick, Derek, and Sarah were having like a little uh, social meetup type of thing. So I surprised them. Like Rick knew I was coming, and and they were all staying. They all got there Friday night, and we're staying at the Park Hyatt. So I said, "Well, I'll, you know, I'm flying in early. I'll meet you for breakfast. You know, to get uh, some free free." You breakfast are so obsessed here. with that breakfast at the Park Hyatt. No, I'm no, like I, I want it. Yeah, I mean, I was like, "Hey, you got there in the." good thing about Hyatt status is if you add people to your room, you can have a lot of free breakfast. So I saw a picture of that breakfast, Mark, and everybody had these beautiful ornate breakfasts and you just had like a simple omelet or just eggs. Yeah. The the (laughs) waiter was like, that's it. And I was like, well, I ordered potatoes and stuff, but they didn't want to put them on the plate. They like had to bring them out in their special little pan that they put them in for presentation or whatever. I, I ate there once before with you and stuff. It's a good breakfast. I mean, it's not, it, I don't know. People think it's like this great experience or whatever. And I think it's, it's pretty comparable to any other higher end breakfast that you're going to eat. But so it's cool to be able to get in there and, and have a little breakfast and stuff. And then we headed uh, into town because the park high, it's really not in a great location to get anything done in, in uh, DC. So we headed over, they stayed at the Willard the next night and I stayed at the Conrad, which was my first time there i'd stayed at the willard the last time i was there luckily enough they got it for like a dip to under 40k so they could use a free night sir which is kind of unheard of and that's ihg days. right yeah that's ihg so that's kind of unheard of these days you know Willard's usually like 60k a night something like that the conrad was going for 80k a night and i used one of my free night certs there just down the road probably like half a mile a mile from the willard and in kind of in that whole touristy area not too far from the mall and and all the monuments and everything. So pretty good location. The pricing, I think, was like around 400 bucks a, a night at the time. Really pretty hotel. You know, I, I like Conrad. Probably is my favorite Hilton brand as far as like design and vibe and everything. Kind of modern, chic, and, and just a little bit sexy. So they all feel a little bit newer. The rooms are usually more spacious than you'll get even at like Waldorf's and stuff. I enjoyed it a lot. I agree with you on the Park Hyatt location. Uh, that hotel is more like in the embassy area. And I stayed there a few years ago because we had... Uh... FinCon 
and CardCon were at the Hilton up in that area. And so it was like a 10 minute walk from there. So it made sense to stay there. Uh, but I agree with you. Not a great location for being a tourist or doing touristy stuff in D.C. More it's close to Georgetown, I think. You know, we're going to talk about this later, but how many people stay there because they're a high globalist and they've heard about the breakfast, which Blue Duck Tavern's an, a nice restaurant. I wouldn't say it's like anything over the top amazing, but uh, it used to be a Michelin star restaurant. So it was kind of a way to experience a, or say you ate a Michelin star without paying anything for it. But they've lost that in the last couple of years. And I talked to you before. I had the breakfast at the Conrad, which people freaked out about because it was expensive. And uh, you didn't get a whole lot for your, your credits that you had. But I was ordering like the most expensive things on the menu, just trying to like use it up because I had $50 to use by myself. And I thought the quality was was very similar to what you get at uh, Park Hyatt. And the location was a ton better. I remember I think I stayed four nights in that Park Hyatt, and as you pointed out online somewhere, you know, the rooms aren't the best there, right? They're, they're a little bit dated, and, you know, it's not the fanciest Park Hyatt. But, yeah, I think after a few, like, four days of eating that breakfast, trying different things like the crab scramble, and I think we have especially at some point had the duck fat fries and everything that they're famous for. I was kind of over that restaurant and the breakfast, and, uh, you know, it's a very, very fancy setting, too. Lots of important people on their, you know, phones, their businessmen in suits, all that kind of thing, so... I you feel know, like cool the service place, is so. the service is a bit stuffy too. Like you get you get kind of that like demeanor, like you should be thankful that I'm here waiting on you, peasant, you know, type of thing. Even though I don't think that's what they mean. Maybe it's just, you know, them trying to be very blase with their their service. But, you know, I didn't think like I thought the this the sitting area, the color scheme, all that stuff in the Conrad breakfast place was actually like more aesthetically pleasing to me than this. Like you walk into the Park Hyatt uh, blue duck and you don't know which way to go in because you actually have to like walk through the bar to go see the thing where the natural entry is this other ramp walkway to the left but they don't want you going over there it's just a very awkward setup and i don't know i think it's a little bit overrated for sure but it, it is great food so where exactly is the conrad yeah so the conrad is like directly north of smithsonian uh museum national museum of history and just like north of mall probably like six blocks north of mall uh, a couple blocks north of trump hotel that kind of general vicinity kind of like smack dab in the middle of everything i guess yeah that um, sounds like a great not location. too far yeah, you're not too far from the White House or anything. Like, I, I actually, after the meetup and stuff, I went with uh, our buddy Jeff Bronson down to the wharf, which I love the area of the wharf. And, and if you are going, if you don't want to stay in like the hustle bustle and you want easy access to restaurants, that's one of the things I don't like about DC. If you stay by all the monuments and stuff, there's not a lot of good restaurant options uh, for like family or just like average dining. It's all like high end business deals type of places, which when we stayed at the Willard with uh, our, our kids and stuff, it just wasn't a good fit. Like it's, it was a struggle to find stuff they wanted to eat and, and made sense where the wharf has a ton of options. So we went down there, hung out there for a bit. And, uh, I actually hopped on a lime scooter and scootered the whole way back. It took like 15 minutes, cost me like eight bucks. It was a, you know, pretty cool experience. And then another friend of ours, Brian, his favorite thing to do is ride the scooters up and down the mall. Cause at night it's, it's, there's like no people around. It's very peaceful you have all the monuments lit up, really cool, and you can just like scooter all up and down this huge open space. It's actually really fun. I think that would be like one thing everybody should do if you're if you're okay with getting on a scooter, go at night, go to the mall and just scooter around. It's awesome. It sounds like fun. Yeah, that does sound like fun and it's such an iconic kind of place in the world, so to be doing that on the National Mall sounds uh, sounds cool. Well, glad you had a, a fun time out there in D.C. Let's talk about Dasher Diaries, right? We haven't done that in uh, in a little bit, and I have a, an Uber Eats complaint story of my own, but yeah. Yeah, I did uh, Uber Eats at the—I was wanting some food, and 
I couldn't find in the Conrad. I couldn't find the uh, menu at all, like the room service menu. I found one online. I tried calling down. Nobody picked up. So I'm assuming they turned off room service or whatever. So I ended up doing Uber Eats because I just wanted something like at night to eat. And I was like, hey, meet me at this room or whatever. Because I've walked up to people's rooms delivering for DoorDash. And the guy called me. I'll be there in five minutes. Meet me downstairs. So I was like, all right, maybe I should adjust your tip down since I did most of the work. <laughs> all right. So is that yesterday... your similar complaint? <laughs> no. So yesterday... <laughs> Like we order some food and, you know, they gave me a $20 off $30 coupon. So I'm, you know, I'm going to use it and expired yesterday. We're in a hotel. Makes sense to use it because, you know, once you factor in their increased per item cost, all the fees, they charge everything. They're giving me 20 bucks off. So I'm still saving money as compared to going to the place. And I have my, you know, Uber credits from Amex Platinum and all that stuff. So order from this first place, 20 minutes goes by, restaurant cancels the order. So I guess, you know... I'm guessing because gas prices here are insane, like five fifty a gallon around where we are right now. Maybe there's less people driving or there's issues with that, but that could be a, I've I've run into like a lot of restaurants they just run out of food or or don't want to make if it's like later in the evening. Like especially fast food restaurants and stuff like KFC, I'll go there thirty minutes before close, they're like, This is all we have and it we can't fill your order. You're here to pick up because we're not making anything new and stuff like that. So if the restaurant canceled, it could be because of that for sure. Exactly. For that, this wouldn't be the driver issue. Uh, it was, you know, six o'clock. It was a regular restaurant. So maybe they just got swamped, whatever. So we reorder and we end up ordering. We're like, let's just get some chicken. So we order El Pollo Loco because uh, it's just grilled chicken, easy stuff. We order it and they assign a driver and he's been assigned for like 20, 25 minutes. And then all of a sudden, it's about an hour after the order. So, you know, it's an hour from the time we ordered. He's had the assignment. He gets to like supposedly where the place is. And then all of a sudden, support has canceled my order. So I have a theory that this driver uh, stole the uh, stole the food. Um, but <laughs> the, ac according to Uber Eats, because I chatted with him, they said he had a glitch in his app. So I'm thinking that anytime an Uber Eats driver wants to take something, they just call support and say there's a glitch in the app and then they take the food. What do you think? Uh, could be. I mean, or you say like they're saying it was already picked up. I've actually had that happen. I've gone to, the, and it always seems to happen at Panera. I don't know why. I hate Panera. Panera is the worst. So I went there like two or three times now I've gone there and they're like, oh, that order was already picked up. So I don't know if that, like the previous driver picked it up and then said, oh, whatever, have an issue. So then they reissue it, but the store doesn't remake it or whatever. So one time the guy's like, I stood there for like 25 minutes. And then he's like, yeah, I'm just going to make it for you because it's a couple simple things and just give it to you. And then you can figure out if it is. So I ended up getting a free lunch out of it because I chatted with DoorDash support and they were like, all right, we'll pay you your half pay or whatever and move on, you know, type of thing. We show that somebody else did take it. I don't know, that stuff. But if it took him an hour to get there, they should have canceled it way before that. Yeah, I'm thinking that he just took the, the food. But so when we re reorder now, and it's been almost two hours, and so I get on chat with Uber Eats, and I'm like, you know, what's going on here? And, you know, that, that's when they told me that the dr previous driver had a glitch or whatever. Then the Uber Eats person says, I've offered you a resolution. I'm ending this chat, which I didn't even ask for anything. You know, I would have liked the credit, but they didn't offer anything. Like it was just, they basically told me that what happened with the previous thing, that my current order was in process. And then just, they disconnected the chat before I could say anything. But then of course the food comes and it's, the order's wrong, you know, on top of everything. So it's just like almost go. a three hour ordeal. The order's wrong. <laughs> I go right in the app. I just, I say, you know, what's wrong with help? I say, you know, it's all wrong, like literally in the comments for the items, and it automatically gave me a full refund. So I guess uh, I got the food for free. But, you know, and I don't make that many claims, so that's why, you know, there's an algorithm behind all this. So if you claim stuff too often, then you have to start proving stuff. But it didn't ask me to send any pictures or anything, and the order was all wrong. There was missing items, and oh, God. So Yeah, I got I to gotta 
text last night from somebody I did a delivery and I felt really bad because they they gave me like a seven dollar cash tip which I wasn't expecting because I could tell that they put a decent tip on the order that's why I picked it up so there's like a nine dollar tip on the order and then a seven dollar cash tip and then they texted me later and said oh I'm missing one of my items and I'm just you know I went to it was an Applebee's pickup car side to go they bring it out and hand it to you and say here you go here's everything just put it in your bag, you deliver it. And uh, support was like, you cannot chat with this customer any longer by the time I saw it. So I, I felt really bad about it. But, you know, a lot of times the restaurant just doesn't put it in there. And there are other times that, let's say, like, bag one of two, and the and the driver probably just doesn't grab the second bag or doesn't catch it or whatever. So I think it's like a 50-50 of whose fault it is. But if it's like everything's in the bag and they just put the wrong stuff in, then that's definitely the restaurant. Yeah, it, it was actually stuff missing, so, you know, who knows. But I know by now, you know, there was nothing. I was happy to get the automated resolution, not to have to fight about it. You know, it was just a frustrating thing. It's one of the reasons why these food delivery services aren't always as convenient as they seem, because sometimes you're getting cold food, you're getting put to the back of the line. We've talked about how you should put a good tip on there, because with Uber Eats, is it the same as DoorDash, where you see what you're going to get paid, including tip? That's the tricky thing. Like, and I've, uh, I I have an article, uh, you know, that I've written up, but I haven't done the, all the uh, back end stuff to, to post it. But, you know, after doing the one order of Uber Eats, like, I, I can already tell you, I like delivering DoorDash better just from one delivery. It does show you like, a, here's what you should make. And then you make the delivery. And it's like, well, here's what you're guaranteed. And like my delivery was like $9 and 50 cents. And I go back to make sure it went through because I wanted to get the $250 swag butt or $200 swag bucks. I just want to make sure that everything worked right because the, their app is kind of clunky. It's not as smooth as the DoorDash app. And I said, yeah, here's your payment, $450. I was like, whoa, what, what the heck is this? So I start like Googling stuff. And once you get a delivery, you have an hour to go in there and change the tip. And, and there, there's a thing called tip baiting that people will go where they'll put like a $10 tip on there so they'll get their food fast and then go back in and change it down to like two bucks or zero bucks and stuff like that. Where DoorDash, you're guaranteed whatever they tell you when you pick it up. Like your experience, if they if they didn't put the right stuff in the bag or whatever, you could adjust your tip down. That's not a, my fault. I still did all the work. So that system's just messed up. But also, if you do have a terrible experience like Sean, then you can, you have an hour to go back in there and, and adjust it. Well, I did leave the tip there, so that's all that it cost me was the tip. I figured, like, they gave yeah. me the – I got a full refund, uh, you know. And usually I found that the problems tend to be with the restaurants, not necessarily the drivers, and try not to, to punish them there. But, yeah, that is true because when you order Uber Eats, usually like an hour or so after you get the food delivered, it'll pop up with your receipt because that must be when it finalizes out the tip. But that's so wrong. It's so wrong to do that to, to end yeah, the tip after. Yeah, and if you have an issue, like, that should be Uber Eats will correct it and stuff and, and give you a credit or whatever it be. And then if it's a driver issue, leave a bad review or Uber Uber can deal with you. I think it's just a really bad program. Like, DoorDash always says, this is what you're going to get. And then oftentimes, like, 30% of the time I end up getting more than what they say. And sometimes, like, a lot more. Like, one time I thought I was going to get, like, $12 and ended up being, like, $25 because the tip was so big. But, but in that portion like they already filled it out how do you not know what it's going to be it's just very strange like it shouldn't be that far off it's crazy any other interesting uh, stories to tell this happened a couple weeks ago very early on in the process but we were at uh my son had a basketball game and he plays on the third and fourth grade team for his school and then he also plays on like the fifth and sixth grade team but by plays i mean he sits on the bench and then gets in for like 30 seconds a game but they just wanted like third and fourth graders there to fill out the, the spaces or whatever i don't know but so i watched his main game and then when the second game was starting i knew he wasn't gonna really play so i was like all right i'm gonna go out and do doordash on the way home and stuff and i'll, I'll meet you guys back home because it was gonna be like an hour or whatever so i get out and i had had issues with my car like the heat not working properly 
took it in and it's an older car and they're like oh the radiator looks like it's leaking i was like i just got the radiator replaced like two years ago i don't i don't know if that's the the case so anyway it's going on and the heat's like really really cold and i was like oh that's not good so i go to buffalo Wild wings pick up the order come out to the car i left it running because i was just running in and out and all of a sudden i see like smoke coming out of the engine <laughs> which is never a good sign like you know something's burning off in there so i'm like okay this this place is only like a mile and a half two miles away i'll just like ease it along till i get there and then figure out what to do after that like i'll just drop like i already accept the order i'm already out on the road and uh turn the heat off the engine uh temperature was going up a little bit but not a ton but i was like freezing it was like negative two out so i couldn't <laughs> couldn't quite handle it, so i was like oh let me just see if maybe i can turn it on a little bit turn it on all of a sudden like stuff is <laughs> spraying everywhere and smoke coming out and, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like looking for somewhere to turn off at this point. And like the uh, engine temp is like going up like a, like a speedometer. Like it's just like going all the way up. And as I'm pulling into this parking lot, it's like hitting red and dinging and lights flashing and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh great. Luckily I pulled into like a repair shop, which was just like, <laughs> Oh, wow. The chances. Nice. I mean, nice as far as uh, that you pulled yeah. in there. But yeah, the weather, the, not fun. Yeah. We're like 30 minutes away from home, so I don't know the area. I just pull in there, and the guy was open. It was a Saturday. He was open. And I walk in there, and I'm like, dude, I, I, my car just like exploded, man. He's like, I'm like, I, I, I'm i like thinking, about, I still have to make this delivery. I don't know what's going on. So I kind of tell him what was going on. He's like, well, my mechanic's not here today. I can look at it on Monday. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to stand in this office area because i'm freezing and i would freeze to death by the time my wife gets here so i'm gonna hang out with you for a bit and he was just in there like waiting for people to pick up their cars even though they didn't have a mechanic so i was like this guy must be pretty good look him up on google reviews and stuff and everything's like five stars so i'm like okay cool i'll let this guy look at it so i call my wife the caller of course she doesn't pick up because she's terrible at answering her phone call call (laughs) call 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 finally answers i was like all right you need to go get connor pull him out of the game Tell me you need to leave and you need to drive over here. I'm dropping you a pen. And she's like, what's going on? I'm like, my car broke down. I got to make this delivery. <laughs> Get over here now. Cause I'm like stressing about like my rating and stuff. And I'm only like a mile away from the, the house at this point. I'm like, do I just get out there and walk with it? I'm sure it'll be a little bit cold, but I'll, I'll get there. Like, and <laughs> so I'm debating that. And all this time, like, I don't get any message from DoorDash, like, hey, you haven't moved in 10 minutes. What's going on? Nothing from the customer. None of that time. I mean, they do give you a big delivery window. So my wife finally shows up. We drive down the road, drop it off. And I still delivered it in time because they gave us like a 30 minute delivery window for a three mile drive or whatever. So we dropped it off. And then on Monday, the guy calls me and he's like, uh, yeah, the boss wants you to come down here and, and look at the car so he can explain to you what's going on. I was like, dude, you're 30 minutes away from me. It's like a snowstorm was hitting. It was like six inches on the ground. I'm like, I'm not driving down there. Just tell me what's going on over the phone. He's like, and they called me earlier, like, hey, we have to rip everything apart. So we have to charge you like 150 bucks just to do that. And it will be included in the cost if you get it fixed. I was like, yeah, whatever, man. He's like, it's going to be $700. So I was like, okay, good. You were making me think this is going to be like a whole engine rehaul the way you were talking. And it was like the heating block cracked or something and coolant was spraying everywhere. So it was just like a mess, but they fixed it and got it back up on the road. And then something similar happened like two days later. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I guess that's... Uh... Should we say? Should we save that? Uh, no, I mean, that one's a quicker one. So I was driving around, pulling to a, a Rite Aid. It was a pickup, one item. So one item again at a... At a, a $9 two liter of soda? No, what do you, so what's your guess this time? What's your one item guess for pickup at Rite Aid? I'm still going with like, I don't know, hair dye. 
I'm going to go hair dye again. <laughs> well, if Joe was here, he would say condoms because he was so mad nobody said condoms last time. Oh, that would actually I missed it again. That, <laughs> that would actually be something that would make sense. But it was a six pack of bounty towels. And, you know, I charge because I pay for it or whatever. It's like $18. They charge you $18 for a six pack of like regular bounty, like maybe a double roll. I'm like, what? And then I'm getting paid like $7 to deliver it a mile away. And then you're paying whatever fees on top of that. I'm like, who's paying $30 for a six pack roll about it? This is insane. So I go out to my car and my car won't start. <laughs> no. Oh, no. So, yeah. So I got to call. Kier- At least this time, it's like three miles from her house. Call Kirsten. She has to drive out. We try to jump it. Can't get it jumped. So I called AAA and we had the Spending Time podcast for uh, Diamond Lounge. So I'm like, all right, we go back. And I'm like, all right, I'll get AAA set up. It says it's going to be like an hour. But if they call... You're going to probably need to go out there because I can't do it until after this recording. So she gives me eye roll, of course. And then of like 30 minutes later, they call. They're like, hey, are you at your car? Like, I don't see you in there. She's like, oh, you're already there. The app still says like an hour. They're like, oh, that's not accurate. So the guy just sit out there for like 15 minutes while she drove over to meet him. And then he had to like readjust it. I guess uh, Dodge Journeys have a weird contact point. He had to adjust it like four times before he could get it jump started. It was the battery. So then she drove back and we had to drive back out. And then a snowstorm hit again. She's like... You're, I'm buying you an Uber uh, Uber gift card, and you, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> there you She's go. She's like, you can Uber back and forth next time. I'm you done. can use Uber to, to deliver your DoorDash. Uh, yeah, because when yeah, she yeah. showed up for that one, too, she's like, all right, do we want to jump this? I was like, no, move, you know, we're driving over to drop these towels off real quick, and then we'll come back. Because <laughs> I was worried about hitting too, you know, I'm very obsessive about my, my rating for some reason. I don't know why. I'm sure uh, people have delivered uh, DoorDash in Ubers before, so it's okay. But uh, yeah, it sucks. Well, hopefully you got all your bad car luck out of the way in that week. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, things coming three, so you never know, you know. But yeah, it was just funny because it was like two days apart, two separate issues, but two days apart, like very similar things. And and this was early on in the process, like within the first three weeks. And she's like, "I'm over this." <laughs> well, I did want to talk a little bit about our travels uh, this week. So we flew back to the West Coast, spent a little bit of time at home, and then grabbed the Tesla that we had, didn't get to sell before we left. And so actually, timing is very good because right after I bought the Tesla a couple of years ago, gas prices, early pandemic, like went through the floor. Like it was, remember, it was like in the high ones per gallon, whatever. And so like the value proposition of driving an electric vehicle wasn't quite there. Like it wasn't any cheaper to charge it than it would be to get gasoline when it was like $2 a gallon. But now that gasoline's up to five, five fifty a gallon, we're back Patting to yourself on the back. Big, yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, especially here in California where we are, where like yeah, it's insane. I've seen I've seen as high as six dollars a gallon uh, just at normal stations. Because I listen to a Canadian radio station uh, from Windsor, and they give away a hundred dollar gas card, and I mean they charge in liters, so they're it's more gas is more expensive there because the prices are high, and they and they're getting it per it's like a dollar 60 a liter or something something like that so they're like oh we're giving away a hundred dollar gas car and everybody that wins is like yeah i don't think it'll quite fill up my car but hey it helps (laughs) (laughs) insane i feel bad for it for everybody you know who's on a tight budget especially because prices have gotten insane but at least it worked out for us and uh, especially you know with an electric car what a lot of people don't know is a lot of hotels now have ev charging and stuff so even Though you may be paying as superchargers and stuff to charge there, a lot of times we can charge at the hotel and get most of the energy we need for free without actually ever having to pay for charging or gas. So that does work out nice. But so our first night we were down in, you know, we left the house late and I knew we were going to have like a quick overnight. So we stayed at the Hyatt Place in Riverside, which is because it's a category two and it was on the way, it sort of broke up the drive to San Diego. And I know that, uh, 
I know that people are going to get triggered out there, but these old Hyatt places, I just really, yeah, they're, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting to be over them. It seems like, and based on the feedback I'm getting from people, I'm not alone in thinking this. A lot of these older Hyatt places are really, really getting long in the tooth and they, they need well, the a carpet renovation. is so gross. It's like a dark brown. And then there's always stains yeah. that show really, really well in it and, and stuff. And it's just, yeah. I mean, the design, the room designs are the same in the new ones. It's just like, just go in there and rehab it real quick. Like, roll out some yeah. carpet. Yeah, no, the room designs are fine. Pull up some carpet, put the new couches in. You know, the new couches, we've talked about it, are a slicker surface, easier to clean. The old, you know, mustard yellow kind of whatever that color is, has also, usually has stains all over it. But anyway, we did get a suite upgrade. So it was a one-bedroom suite uh, in, in an older Hyatt place, which is very rare for them to even have suites. And uh, it was fine, you know, but I put a video up on Instagram if people want to see uh, what it looked like. But it, it was sad. There were stains in the carpet, all of that stuff. But we quickly moved on, went down to San Diego, enjoyed SeaWorld, took advantage of our annual passes there, which is always a good time for families and stuff like that. A lot of people might not know, but the SeaWorld in San Diego is part of like a marine park, like actual parklands. So there's been restrictions over the years on what they can build. So there's less rides there, I think, than, you know, like SeaWorld Orlando. But they've started to put more rides and new coasters on the parking lot side. And uh, it's becoming more of a, par- a theme park. So it's it's really, really nice. Uh, but yeah, what other hotels did we stay at? We stayed at the Hyatt Regency uh, Newport Beach, which I stayed at the first time last year. This was my second stay there. That's a Category 3, 12,000 points a night. And that has like, you know, those older like 1970s era hotels that have like bungalows you know, like they look almost like motels, yeah. but they're actual mm-hmm. hotels. Yeah. So that hotel is really weird because it's right on Newport Beach, right next to the marina, next to the Pacific Coast Highway. So in a great area, has lots of like gardens and fountains and has its own nine hole golf course as part of the hotel, which is interesting. But it has these three separate areas of bungalows. And it looks like they may have added on over the years. But the first set is like full on motel style. Where, you know, it has the little window right by the door nothing, with the nothing exterior. Nothing screams Regency like, <laughs> like <Yeah>. a motel. <laughs> now, I should I should say it's not a motel. I mean, they've renovated these rooms. They're all up to modern standards. But, but that you, one do set... You walk, do you walk outside when you're going to your room? Yeah, for that one then set of buildings. Then it's a motel. Then it's a motel. No, wait, wait, wait. But yeah, no, I agree <laughs> with you. I totally agree with you on that. And not only that, but the win- the only window in the room is right by the door in the front, right? It's, like, it's totally motel style, so there's no windows in the back or anything like that, but they must have added on. So like where we stay and where any globalists would stay is in, you know, their newer tower or it's still bungalow style rooms, but it has interior hallways and they have balconies and the rooms are pretty much the same no matter where you stay. But last year when I stayed there, like the height of COVID, there was maybe 10 people in the whole hotel. And I, I just remember the motel building, looking building and it feeling like very depressing and I didn't really like it. This time it was packed. And the room is very decent that we were in. We had, a, you know, a nice room and it felt more like a proper resort. So I actually think it's moved up a little bit for me. Has three pretty big pools. Like I said, nice gardens, things like shuffleboard, you know, fire pits at night with s'mores, lots of hot tubs. So it is a resort style place, even if like the older rooms look like motels. It's a re- resort style place that's on a um, postcard from the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. And I mean, it is in Newport Beach, which is... Good location for like whale watching, uh, which we actually did out of Long Beach. So I'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, it was a good good place for a stop. They have a really nice restaurant that's open there. 
When I visited last year, there was the restaurant had gone out of business. There was no restaurant. Now they have a new chef came in, and uh, I've heard that the dinner is really good there. But the breakfast was very good, like things like steak and eggs, you know, high end breakfast stuff, not the the grab and go cheap stuff that we've seen at some other properties. Uh, so I, yeah, that was impressive, like eighty dollar breakfast mark with my Hyatt Globalist all wiped off. So there's my there's my big value. No, just kidding. Just just a foreshadowing of a debate we're about to have about elite status, but. And we moved up to the Hyatt Regency Long Beach. Have you ever been to Long You haven't been to Long Beach, right? You haven't been? No. Okay. All right. So Long Beach is where the Queen Mary is, and it's where there's a lot of cruise ships there, and there's a beautiful aquarium and malls and all that. There's two Hyatt properties right down there uh, in the middle of Long Beach, and there's the Hyatt-centric at the Pike, which is a Category 3, and then there's the Hyatt Regency, which is attached to the Long Beach Convention Center, which is also a Category 3. And I had stayed at the Hyatt-centric before, really liked it. So we decided to give the Regency a try. The one sort of downside about the Regency right now is the club is closed and they don't have a full restaurant right now, which I feel like Hyatt shouldn't let them get away with. They have their market, which is the grab and go that has, you know, hot items that you can order. So they're trying to make their sort of grab and go place be their restaurant right now. So that wasn't impressive, although the food was pretty good there. And the rooms similar were okay. To like, similar to the Hyatt Regency in Orlando. Like that setup? Yeah, similar to uh, to that. Well, no, the Hyatt Regency in Orlando had a full breakfast. They had a full restaurant and everything. Oh, that's true. You could you could take it from the grab and go or go to the full breakfast. Yeah, yeah. and their and their lounge there is now reopened in Orlando, uh, whereas the lounge isn't in uh, in Long Beach. But the rooms there were fairly small. I would say I would between the two for people out there who are ever in this scenario where they're thinking about it. I think the centric is nicer. Uh, but I would stay at either one. They're almost, they're a two minute walk from each other. And the one nice thing, I really like the views from the Regency. You get views of Long Beach Harbor, of the Queen Mary, really beautiful sunset, everything else. So that was, uh, was very nice. And finally, we came to Valencia, go to Six Flags Magic Mountain, ride some roller coasters, and the uh, Hyatt Regency Valencia, which I've stayed at a bunch. That's a category two. It's, it's the only real category two full service property in all of Southern California. But it's moving to category three in a couple weeks, Mark. So as part of the huge Hyatt devaluation, so there you it's, go. it's not my. Points. I really like this hotel. They renovated a couple of years ago, and for a category two, I really love it. You know, if it was a category three, I'd probably stay elsewhere. So it's come in handy for for what it is. But it's unfortunately going up. We also did some whale watching out of Long Beach, and that's really cool because those boats depart right across the street from the Hyatt. So that's why I kind of chose that. So we were able to just wake up. We did a 9 a.m. departure, which is, was cheaper, and we didn't have to drive anywhere. We literally walked across the bridge, and we were right there. And we got to see some gray whales out in the uh, Long Beach Harbor and out in the sea. It was kind of fun. It was about, like, five minutes of seeing whales and then, like, two hours of searching for whales. But at least we saw some. I, I can imagine plenty of people go out there and they don't see any. So I guess we're blessed yeah, just, in that way. Yeah, being able to see something is pretty cool, pretty lucky. So, yeah, a lot of Hyatt stuff. I guess I, I do a lot of that, Mark, because of my status. So uh, we'll, we'll talk later about whether that's worth it or not and how we're sort of utilizing our status. But before we do that, let's talk about some credit card stuff because I know everybody out there is uh, jonesing for, uh, for a nice retention offer. I think that we, we talked about this on the show before, right? How generous American Express has been lately with retention offers. And, you know, you can often get them just via chat, just chatting with them. But I had never heard of this. A friend of yours got a $1,000 retention offer on a business platinum card? Tried to do it via chat, but it was closed. The retention office was closed on chat. So they gave him a number to call. 
he called over there and kind of went through the spiel and and they said hey we'll give you a thousand dollar statement credit no spend required to keep the card open so of course you're going to take it and that's you know kind of similar to what we got on the hilton business card we got a 200 and $30 $30 credit, something like that, like $130 above the annual fee. So $225 credit. I was like, yeah, I'll keep it. You know, if you're going to pay me $130 to keep a card open, I'll, for sure. And then with the business platinum, it's even better because you get all the Dell credits and, and airline incidental credit and everything like that. And he'd only put like $5,000 in spend on it over the previous 12 months, which is really bizarre with Amex. I think the more you spend on the card, the low, like the less chance you have of getting a retention offer. And that kind of defies logic from a business perspective. If this person is making you money through swipe fees and all that stuff, you think that'd be the person you give a retention offer to. But I think, I don't know, like if it's their algorithm or their arrogance, they're like, oh, this person uses this card a lot. They're not going to leave it. You know, they're definitely so let's give it to this other person that doesn't use it. Maybe they'll figure out that it's a good card. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. But that's the way it's worked for most people. That What I've seen through data points is if you spend a lot on your card, you're less likely to get an offer. Yeah, I mean, I can understand proactive offers like spending offers, things like that for people who don't use their cards as much. But when you're talking about somebody's on the line about to cancel their card, their retention offer, you would think that they would want to reward their higher value customers, the ones that are using the card and stuff like that. So I guess it yeah. it makes sense. Like I mean, some I people will spend a million dollars on their AMX card and they'll be like, no, we don't have a retention offer for you. What? But you'll give it to somebody that spent five grand probably for like, like on the Hilton business, we spent five grand. That was just for the sign-up bonus. That was all we spent. As soon as we hit the uh, welcome offer, done. And they give that retention offer, but it's somebody that stays at Hilton's all the time and is like racking up bills, they'll be like, eh, you know, you're, you're probably going to stay. Yeah, they must think they got you on the hook and, you know, that you're just BSing them. But yeah, $1,000, I mean, that's obviously better than free with the annual fee, plus all the credits. That's a no-brainer. And I guess it's just a good reminder for all of us that we should be maximizing our MX retention offers, whether it's, you know, chatting with them, getting on the phone with them. Um, you know, you have to tell them that you're willing to cancel and, you know, see what they have to say. But uh, certainly it can be lucrative to do that. And you can only get, what, one offer every 12 months per card? Uh, I think that's been like kind of uh, wishy-washy. I think per, like, it used to be every 13 months for all your cards, like one per, but now it seems like people are getting them uh, more often. But on your specific card, yeah, it's like one per 12 or 13 months, something like that. Um, I should say authorized user offers are, are pretty lucrative these days from them as well. There's a new one we just uh, posted this morning for the Amex Personal Platinum, which most people are getting targeted for. So even like my wife got it on hers, even though she had gotten the same offer like in December. So definitely check that link and and uh, we'll put it in the show notes and, and see if you have a personal platinum. That's not a Schwab, like a, a regular vanilla platinum. Definitely give it a try. There's a good chance that you'll get it. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been uh, racking up a lot of points with authorized users. So that is... Uh, Add like a, go- a gold card instead of the platinum so you avoid the authorized user annual fee on that one too. Yep, yep. So good advice there. And there's a whole article, so we'll put a link in the show notes. You can find out more about the... Uh, Business Platinum 1K and anything else you want about retention offers. All right, so our last topic this week is going to be elite status because you and Benji declared war on hotel elite status this week. A week after well, you declared war on high globalist status. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, uh, you know, two peas in a pod, I guess. Mine was less like anti-status and more reconsider. And it goes in line with the high globalist thing, like reevaluate every year. And I bet you you're leaving a lot of costs on the table, under the table, like not considering them. 
mainly because you don't want to. Like you're trying to fool yourself. If you realize all that baked in cost that you're not paying attention to and you're okay with it, then that's fine. Go for it. But it's something that you should definitely consider because I think a lot of people do the status run or use status and think, hey, I just saved $100 on breakfast. But you no, you really didn't. You know, it probably came closer to you could have eaten off property and, and maybe saved money staying somewhere else. So All right. And let's talk a little bit about Benji's article and how he talks about status. First off, he talks a lot about airline status. And I think he makes some good points there. People accepting nonsensical routings. You know, I talk all the time on the show about why I fly Frontier or why I did the status match. And it's because I get better routings, right? I get more direct flights, things like that. But people often do, for instance, you know, I have done this in the past where I've flown American Airlines uh, just to use my executive platinum status and connected. So, ooh, I get first class upgrade, but now I've spent an extra four or five hours traveling, which Benji makes a good point. Is it worth it? I've actually determined it's not, but that's something that people do, you know, paying more than necessary, sure, spending cash rather than points to qualify, sure. One interesting point he makes, you loiter at the hotel. And I think that Benji sort of misses the point on people are a little bit different in the way that they travel, right? Uh, Just like, you know, you said that you don't often value certain things in, you know, in fancier hotels. There are people that do that. Or there's people that are like me that are nerdy and they like, you know, the different types of hotels. Um, They like the experience. And I think that was kind of the point you were making, right, is you're paying for some of this stuff and you should be aware of that. But for a lot of people, I feel like travel hacking allows them to pay less for a lot of this stuff that they enjoy and it deepens, you know, their their enjoyment. Our friend PDX just got back from what from Cabo where he got pampered at the Waldorf Astoria with his Hilton Diamond status and the Thompson with his World of Hyatt Globalist status. And, you know, he loves that, right? And he understands what the process is of earning those points and why he's doing it and being pampered there. But, you know, you don't get that same maybe value out of it. So I feel like a lot of this comes down to just how people travel and what they're looking for. And, you know, in the case of status, I think that, you know, it really just depends on the person. But yeah, I think the the advice of, of being knowing what your what the cost is, is a good one. Although, like I said, I feel like Benji maybe doesn't play into the value that some of this stuff adds to people's life, their experience, their happiness, you know, what they like out of travel. I think that's uh, very true. And I think it, a lot of it depends on the type of trip you're on. Like if you're going to a resort area, like if you're going to Hawaii or you're going, you know, to the Maldives or, or you're going to Cabo, stuff like that, and you're going to be on the resort most of the time, then I think status plays a big key in that. It's just a question of like, if that's the, the travel you do most of the time, then yeah, status is going to be out of the park for you. If you're doing, if you're going striving for status for those two trips a year you do, then you probably could just pay cash and, and come out ahead versus, you know, doing, we have a, uh, a friend that loves Delta status and, you know, spends thousands of dollars doing mileage runs to China and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you got upgraded on all your flights, but how much could you, have, you know, like I flew to uh, DC this past weekend, I got first class on the way down for my status and comfort plus on the way back that's great. But what was that really worth to me? Like, you know, comfort plus was worth $0 to me. I was tired. I didn't have any drinks and there. You know, it's an hour, 10 minute flight first class on the way down. Cause it was an early morning flight. Maybe I would have paid 20, $30 for that. You know, how many of those flights do you have to take in a year to offset that thousands of dollars that you got for the two or three trips you really wanted on? Um, so I think that's what you really have to like consider is, and I think, you know, somebody in our Facebook group said, it, you know, it goes year to year. Last year, it made a lot of sense. I was going to be staying at Park Hyatt. So I was going to be staying, 
you know, in these uh, hard to reach places where I'm going to be on the resort a lot of times. But the next year, Hyatt wasn't really a great fit for our plans, and we weren't going to be staying at high end uh, Hyatt's when we did more lower end stuff. And um, so I didn't strive for it again this year. So that's you know, I think where it's good to reevaluate every year. A lot of people fall into a rut where they're just like, hey, I had globalists, I love it, I'm going to keep getting globalists or AA platinum stuff like that, or or even I can get it through spend, so why not? You know, even though it doesn't really add much to to my life or I don't use it that much. And it's like you need to sit back and reconsider that, I think. But there are people who go on mileage runs and they love that. That like adds to the adventure. And it really yeah. the mileage run itself, the pursuit is part of the fulfillment they get through travel and through this game and everything else. And so I feel like yeah, that's Words like part Ian of it. that like flying more than they like being places for sure. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no there's, you... there there are people like that that enjoy actual flying first class products more than they enjoy being wherever they're going. Like that's their thing. So totally understand, and I th- that's why it's it's always one not one size fits all, you know, type of thing for sure. Yeah, and I you know in talking about like mileage runs, I've done a few in the past. I don't love flying by myself as much as I, I used to. But, you know, I've done some cool ones. Like I once flew down to Paraguay, turned right around and came back just to get American Airlines platinum status. Was it worth it? Maybe. I mean, it was a cheap ticket, right? It was like less than a $500 round trip ticket. I used points to pay for it. So like the actual monetary cost wasn't a lot or really anything to me. But, you know, going all the way down there, it took days of two days of my life, right, to fly there and back. I've done some of the similar things with Panama. So I always try to make an adventure out of them. And I feel like that's really what a calculation should be as well is, is it fulfilling your life? And I feel like for a lot of people in this hobby, elite status does give them some interesting fulfillment because, you know, they're not used to traveling in that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think the important (laughs) thing is to not be full of yourself, right? I mean, just because you have elite status doesn't mean you're better than anything else. And especially if you shortcutted your way to it, you know, I, yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, it's weird. Like we're in the miles and points because we like to save money and then people, turn into like these elitist kind of jerks um, from it. And, and I saw it like on my Conrad post, I post a picture of my breakfast and the main reason in our Facebook group, main reason was to say, Hey, I booked the room for two, added a guest to check in. I got $50, even though I was by myself. And then also included tip. Like my breakfast was like $41, something like that. And I added the tip and they wiped the whole thing off, which I wasn't really expecting. I was expecting to pay for the tip, but so that's another point that like hey this this credit includes tip if that's the point and i added you know nine dollar side of bacon which i wouldn't have ordered if i had two people there like i could have gotten an entree and a drink and it would have been fifty dollars i would have had to come out of pocket for the tip but that was the same way when they offered free breakfast for everybody you got a cold continental breakfast but you still had to like leave a tip for the server on the table so it's not much different but you're getting better breakfast this way i think or you can use it for drinks and stuff and i've always said Breakfast is highly overpriced in hotels, so the value isn't as good as you think it's going to be. And all those people like lost their mind. They should give us full free breakfast. It should be unlimited like it used to be. And I was like, used to be was like cold muffins. And the guy's like, yeah, but at this place I could pay $15 and get hot breakfast. I'm like, but you were paying more. So how is that different than now when, they, you know, it wasn't a great experience before. But this is also a status that you're you could get for $95 credit card annual fee. What do you expect them to give you? You know, like I think fifty dollars. You stay at two nights at a hotel. You paid for the annual fee of your credit card. Like, so I think you just we need some perspective sometimes. Like they they're not just going to give you the world because hey, I'm gold. I'm Hilton Gold or Hilton Diamond. Like 
They paid you to be Hilton Diamond. American Express paid you to be Hilton Diamond. It's not like you earned it. Globalists, you have to earn. So I think that's a little bit different. And people have a little bit more right to be upset when stuff gets cut or whatever. But for anything that you can shortcut to or get for the credit card annual fee, I mean, I think we need to check ourselves a bit. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely true. Um, and I do think that the way you travel is important. I feel like these loyalty programs are cutting things like the breakfast benefits with Marriott or Hilton are not what they used to be, right? They used to be much better in a lot of circumstances. And certainly internationally, they tend to be better, but um, you know they're not quite what they're cut out to be. So if you're pursuing a status based on breakfast, to your point, is it really that good? Or if you're staying at the Park High at DC just to eat at that restaurant, why not just go stay at a cheaper hotel and go eat at that restaurant one morning for breakfast and then get the experience? I mean, there's definite ways that you can think about yeah. things differently. And that and that's something I, I point out like in the article is if you had to be in that area, like you want to be in that area, I know there's a high place right there because you walked me down to it after you kicked me out of the Park Hyatt when we stay, stayed for the weekend. <laughs> because yeah, I, I didn't because kick you out. You were staying over there. <laughs> I go, no, I, was, I, I get. I uh, what did I, I stayed I, at Park Hyatt one honor, night. Right? Yeah. I, no, I stayed at Park Hyatt one night to get to knock that uh, badge off or or whatever because the Park Hyatt in DC is one of the cheaper ones. So we did that, and then the second night I went to the Hyatt place, which was like a couple blocks away, ten thousand points versus twenty thousand points. So people will go to the Park Hyatt and be like, "Hey, I just got a hundred dollar breakfast with my status. Look at that, saved hundred dollars. That's worth it." But no, you really paid one hundred and fifty dollars for it because you could have stayed at the. Hyatt place for 10,000 points cheaper, worth $150, and still gotten a breakfast, not anywhere close to as good, but you would have got the nutritional value you needed out of it. So that cost you something. You, you know, you get the experience too, for sure, better room, all that stuff. But there is a cost bake in, and that's all I want people to realize. Like, this isn't all rainbows and unicorns. Like, you're paying for this. And then the question is, how many times do you really need that each year? Out of your 60 nights, do you need it 10 nights? Could you pay cash those 10 nights or book into a room with lounge access in that net be less than you have to do to run a mattress run the last 20 nights? Like those are things that we need to really consider uh, to be peak gamers, I think. And a lot of people don't even look at it. Um, so and I think a lot of people will come to the conclusion that I can make this myself for less. Booking through MXFHR, you know, usually somewhat similar price will give you all those perks. That's another thing you should consider, things like that. So just getting it because it gives you breakfast doesn't or free parking, stuff like that. I think there's other ways to do it and it might be better for a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of calculations going in there, but I do feel like there's different levels of this. How much time and effort do you want to put into maximizing everything? How much? Like yes, because I, said, do you, Cause do I you ate back? breakfast only because I had a credit and I didn't even want to get up and go down there, but I didn't make it to the bar the night before. And that's kind of what Benji says lingering around like. I ended up eating there just because I, I knew I'd feel bad if I left and didn't use it. Uh, I mean, but my there's plan people was to... who enjoy that, right? Who enjoy yeah. hanging oh, yeah, around for the hotel. Sure. And the no, and barrier I, I, of entry I, for your status was, you know, you didn't pay a lot for that status. No, I paid nothing because uh, it got carried over. So, um, but like I, I plan to have, they have a cool bar and they have a rooftop bar there, which would be a perfect use for it, but it wasn't open. Um, but I planned on having a couple drinks at the bar, just never made it around to it the day before. Um, so I went to breakfast. I mean, it was fine. It was a good breakfast. It was actually a good breakfast, but I, I wouldn't have mind missing it. If I wasn't, if I didn't have status, I wouldn't have gone downstairs. Let's just say that. I still think that, that you guys kind of diminish the value of, of elite status. Cause it just doesn't mean as much to you in your, in your lives. And, you know, maybe people like me who have spouses who are a little bit more willing to deal with crazy stuff. Maybe we jump overboard a little bit. Like we, I don't get the pushback that you do. So 
that's probably a double-edged sword, right? Because I can do some crazier stuff, but I end up going overboard with stuff that's maybe not always the most valuable to your point. So always a good reminder of that. Now, we've been really enjoying our the globalist status uh, on this trip, obviously, because we're doing a lot of stuff. And practically, because we're on the road so much, you how know, much, we're trying how to... How much of the trip is planned around being at Hyatt's, though? No, none of it, actually. <laughs> it's just we're in an area... I know, but no, there are, you know there are people that do that, too. No, and I, a... I've been guilty of it totally in the past, but I'm, I really have a diverse setup of points and statuses and whatever. Um, so I ha- I, I'm perfectly okay going where there's no Hyatt's. Obviously, if there is a Hyatt, like I'm in Southern California, there's a million Hyatt's. Um, and heading to Northern California, heading up the coast, so there will be a lot, and then there'll be areas on road trips where we're not hitting them like you know when we stayed at true by hilton or avid and i'm always willing to like book through chase travel or whatever for like independent hotels stuff like that so that's perfectly fine but when it comes to like our status here a lot of times you know at that hyatt regency long beach parking's 33 dollars a day and yeah there's ways around it right you can find hotels that have free parking or you know park sometimes on the street or find Yeah. And I've done all that's that's usually was my go to in the past, but it's nice not not have to worry about it. It's like, okay, I got uh, I got that taken care of. I think convenience is a huge perk of status, like being able to eat breakfast at the hotel is a a perk. Being able to park at the hotel is a perk. Not having to self park is a perk. Like, I think that is a big selling feature that people like is just it makes life easier for sure. And just because we're, you know, traveling so much right now, we're trying not to spend, you know, and with the price of everything these days, try not to spend millions of dollars on food. So having that meal taken care of is good. A lot of times we eat breakfast a little bit later. We don't end up eating lunch. Um, a lot of times Ellie can get something that's big enough that she can have it for breakfast and lunch. She'll have leftovers. And so it enables us a lot of times to just have to deal Jasmine with dinner. brings her big like purse down for all the pastries. No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, but Ellie can order yeah. like a full-size entree and she's, you know, she's a 50-pound oh, yeah, sure. girl. She doesn't eat crazy stuff so or we'll get like a side of fruit and take that to go so that she can have it as a snack in the afternoon or whatever um, and jasmine and i typically if we eat like breakfast we've always been sort of two meal people two meal per day so if we're eating breakfast we're not generally eating lunch so in our case it's actually saving us some money practically that way but to your point you know we're we're not we could definitely stay cheaper places even when you you know if you take a hyatt point at one and a half cents each and we're staying at a category three that's 180 dollars could we find a, pl- a cheaper place to stay? Probably. Would we get near the experience? Probably not. And so, yeah, th- those are the trade-offs. But it has worked for me. Uh, I definitely have a different opinion than what Benji does, but I recommend everybody reads it. And he does make some really good points, especially with airline status. And, you know, what makes this world go round is that we all have different views and opinions. And I love that. And hopefully people out there learn a two- thing or two. They get to reevaluate. Yeah, make that's sure the key. that I think that's the key is just, like, make sure you check it every single year and reevaluate it and make sure it still makes sense. Just because it did last year doesn't mean it will next year. Another thing I want to like dive into uh, next week is our, and I got to write up an article about this is being like beholden to cents per point and like trying to maximize value, you know, to a point that it, it drives us crazy or, or diminishes our experience and our, our, our obsession with it is kind of crazy and, and something that we need to be, you know, aware of, I think. I think it's a good point. I think so much of this hobby diminishes experiences in certain ways. And if we can be the messengers to kind of remind people to to keep their feet on the ground, stuff like that, you know, elite status diminishes your experience if you start expecting things because you're not going to always get the, you know, 
when the, when you go to a hotel and you get the nice bottle of wine and they welcome you and they you know they fawn over you that's not going to happen most of the time and if you start expecting that then even if you don't really start expecting it like like consciously but subconsciously, subconsciously yeah. you get a little let down that is real that is a very real side effect of this sort of stuff and uh yeah we should certainly dive in deeper and i've totally understand the sense per point stuff because i've really struggled with that at times you know it's like oh what do i do what do i do and, and i thankfully, have to say oh uh i was gonna say uh tim from frugal Mahler like commented on this a little bit uh when he wrote a response to the hyatt globalist post where a, a person booked a 50k a night hotel because he had a 50k cert even though he really wanted to stay at the 35 a night k hotel and didn't enjoy the experience at all because he was just like i didn't really like the hotel the other hotel was better but the fact that couldn't bring himself to leave that on the table, which what does it matter? Like we do that stuff all the time. All right. Well, we'll talk about it next week. We'll get into a little deeper there. And in this series of uh, sort of debating about uh, all this stuff and the, the good and bad of the hobby and the things to avoid to maybe have a happier life, stuff like that. So look forward to that. Uh, Joe has edited and produced this show. You can find him all over social media at as the Joe flies or as the joeflies.com if you want to book a cruise, anything cool like that, contact him there. Mark, where can people uh, find you when not listening to this fine podcast? On Twitter at Detroit Mark. Comment on any of the articles on the site. Uh, email me, mark at milestonemories.com. Join the Facebook groups, uh, Patreon group, all that stuff. We're in there all the time. How about you? Well, for our Vegas stuff, don't forget we have that YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash milestonemories. Had some really cool stuff. Our Vegas podcast show. We do a video podcast. It's also an audio podcast. Um, that one episode just passed 175,000 views. So that's exciting. Uh, all of our posts at milestomemories.com. And uh, for this podcast, you can find links to subscribe everything at mtmpodcast.com. But just search Miles to Memories. You can find us everywhere, all over the interwebs, Instagram, TikTok. You can uh, check out my, my Hyatt suite, my Hyatt Place suite. At, uh, on our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash miles to memory. So I guess that's enough plugs for this week, Mark. But uh, thanks everybody out there for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. See you next week. Bye, Joe. Bye, Joe.